This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. On Friday, the 26th of January, 2024, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Keith Cobb. <clears throat> In half an hour, we're going to be discussing the outcome of the recent New Hampshire Republican primary this week, where former U.S. President Donald Trump secured yet another victory. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with the recap on how global markets closed overnight. Wall Street piled higher overnight, uh, thanks to the strong GDP, U.S. GDP figures, which we'll get into in a little bit. The Dow Jones was up 0.6%, the S&P 500 was up 0.5%, and the Nasdaq was up 0.2% uh, earlier on Thursday, Nikkei, the Nikkei was up 0.03%, just marginally. Hong Kong's Hang Seng was up 2%. Shanghai's Composite was up 3%. Singapore's STI was down 0.2%. But for the FBM KLCI, we were closed yesterday for Taipusam, but uh, it closed up 0.5% on Wednesday, uh, just above 1,500 points, 1,504 points to be exact. All right, we'll see how they open later on in the morning. But for some thoughts now on where international markets are heading, we speak to Tim Mulholland, president of TGM Limited in Chicago. Tim, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. I know you're on the road. Uh, but uh, let's talk about uh, the GDP numbers from the U.S. that came up, the Q4 GDP. Uh, that came in at 3.3%, which beat forecasts. And also means for full year 2023, the economy expanded by 2.5%. Some of the factors cited for these numbers include cooling inflation. Is it safe to say that the recession many had feared is in the rearview mirror? Well, it certainly uh, really did the opposite of what everybody predicted would happen. Uh, you know, 2.5, people were looking for a recession. But, you know, I, I think it has surprised on the upside. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think it's powering the stock market because, as you said, inflation, I shouldn't say coming down, it's accelerating at a, at a lesser rate, but it's still at a fairly high level. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, right now you're seeing a consumer that's still never been in better shape. And business is building inventories again. They depleted them all last year. And, and Tim, uh, I also see that personal spending rose at a 2.8% rate, also boosted by business investment and housing. Do you reckon if there is a need for the Fed to maybe temper spending somewhat and it might alter their, uh, uh, their rate decision going forward? You know, I, I think the market is way off sides on the Fed. Mm. Uh, and I don't think there's any reason for them to lower rates. Nowhere near what the market, and the market's been wrong on this for two years, uh, what the Fed's been doing. So uh, I think that they're way off sides on it. I think that the economy's too strong and the fiscal spending is too strong. And, you know, what I think the biggest risk here is going to be for a bearish steepening of the curve, because I also think that the bond market, uh, I don't think that the long end of the duration is the place to be either. Tim, there's been a strong um, pivot to growth stocks given the Nasdaq's 2.7% rise over the last month compared to the Dow Jones' more modest 0.7%. Do you see this investor preference for growth over defensive names? Will this continue for the rest of the year? You know, it's still, I think, more of the same, except there was a, they called it the Magnificent Seven last year. Sure, it's more like the Magnificent Three or Four that are really empowering it. But you're getting these mega cap tech stocks that dominate these cap-weighted indexes with all this index fund buying and the buying, you know, the higher it goes, the more they have to buy. And, and these, the, the way the cap-weighted indexes go. And the Dow, as we know, is price-weighted. So you knock off one of those, you know, United Healthcare, for example, which may have been a little bit of a laggard here, and that's going to weigh on the Dow. 
because of the price it has more of an impact than caps. So anyway, I think with, to answer your question, it is more of the same of last year. But, you know, again, I think the Fed rate, this is, that was also dependent on the Fed's rate expectations, which I think are going to be re-rated here. Also, would this be a good time to start rethinking our stock allocation for the, for the rest of the year? And what should we aim towards? Well, I tell you, the one area that I think is the, uh, one of my favorite places is probably EM Sovereign Debt, which has probably been the cheapest uh, that it's ever been. And I think that also plays into the fact that I think the dollar, uh, especially versus the EM currencies, I think will weaken. Now, saying that, I think healthcare is a good place to be in the market. It's just hard to avoid some of these uh, mega caps, but it reminds me a lot of tech bubble in 2000, albeit not the same valuation. But you look at uh, NVIDIA and you look at Cisco and Intel, uh, you know, those back in the 2000s, Cisco and Intel were infallible. And today, what is it? NVIDIA and Apple, Amazon, Microsoft are infallible. But, you know, again, these valuations are pretty high, so you really better believe. So, in other words, I think that I think it's time to probably take some profit and rebalance your portfolio because it has to be overweight in these index, cap-weighted indexes. And I think you can move more towards some value, probably more healthcare, and you know maybe even some uh, uh, in energy. Um, Tim, the Republican presidential primaries are currently in full swing, and it's still a long way to the November elections. But how do you see markets reacting to the developments on the political side um, ahead of the November date? You know, it's hard to say exactly, but because we've never been, we keep continue to get more polarized each moment. And I think if we face off with the repeat of the 2020 election, that won't be resolved. So what that tells me is you're not going to get any action in Washington. And this fiscal deficit, which is, you know, debt to GDP, total debt to GDP is 120 percent. It's, you know, at some point in time, this is not sustainable. So I think a credit event is something we ought to really watch out for, and especially uh, U.S. government uh, with this debt and the size of these auctions. Look, I know Janet Yellen trimmed some of the long end of the market, the auctions, which kind of got the market going, but they can't do that forever either. So to answer your question, I think the polarization is going to limit anything happening in Washington, and I think that could be very detrimental. And Tim, China's uh, central bank, the PBOC, they've announced a cut to the reserve requirement ratio of all banks by 50 basis points this week. Uh, that's, that's expected to free up around uh, 1 trillion yuan of liquidity. How much of that will find its way into bolstering China's beleaguered equity markets, you think? You know, I also understand that they're uh, limiting products for Chinese mainland investors' overseas investment as well. So, you know, again, if it doesn't rally, you got big trouble. But I think the bottom line in China is that the uh, public has lost confidence. I think they're losing faith in both government policies, and I don't think they have any confidence in the market either. So although it's cheap, and, you know, I've been, you know, disappointed with that, it could get, it could stay cheap or get cheaper. So I, I think China is, uh, looks like they got some trouble and there's some real structural problems. So I don't think it's going to be safe, maybe short term, but I think you're going to see some willing sellers into any rally. Tim, thanks as always for the chat. That was Tim Mulholland, president of TGM Limited in Chicago, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. He's definitely less uh, sanguine on the prospects of the Fed cutting rates uh, at an accelerated pace this year. Um, he thinks the market is offside on that. I, I was also uh, interested in what he had to say about um, 
you know, the high level that we are looking at uh, as far as uh, uh, US stocks are, are concerned. Uh, and yeah, you know, he did say that valuations are pretty high, especially with uh, accounts like NVIDIA, Cisco and Intel. Maybe it might be time to take profit and consider some some rebalancing. And, and you know, when it comes to rebalancing, he was suggesting uh, sectors like healthcare and energy to, to look into. Well, speaking of sectors, we can take a look at some of the earnings uh, reports that have come out of different sectors overnight. Uh, we do have news from Intel. They have issued revenue forecasts for the first quarter that could miss market expectations by more than two billion U.S. dollars, and this was due to uncertain demand for its chips in the traditional PC and server markets. However, their fourth quarter results did beat Wall Street estimates, and the company finally broke a streak of seven consecutive quarters with declining revenue. And revenue was up by 10% year-on-year to $15.4 billion. Earnings per share came in at $0.54. Cents. Both both exceeded analysts' expectations. And for the full year, revenue was down by 14% year-on-year to $54.2 billion. Gross margin was down by 2.6 percentage points to 40%. And uh, on, on, and, and on the... Uh, and on Wall Street, how did uh, Intel do? It closed at $49.55, uh, and that was up 0.94% on, on the day. So in terms of competition, I mean, Intel used to have the market share uh, in, of more than 99% in the servers market, but uh, they are seeing more competition uh, from rivals like AMD and some of its biggest spenders like Amazon's AWS and Microsoft. They're designing their own processors, which is also eating into their market share. So I think what happens to Intel is uh, going to be pretty pivotal in terms of the direction of the uh, chip industry and also tech industry moving forward. Uh, let's turn our attention to some news that came in just before the Taipusam break, but it's worth mentioning because it's kind of been dominating the discussion and that's really the t- prospects for Tesla. Tesla shares witnessed their biggest drop in over a year, down by 12% on Thursday, a day after the company reported earnings that missed expectations and then warned of a slowdown in 2024. Uh, total revenue rose by 3% to $25.2 billion US dollars. This was lower than the expected $25.6 billion and earnings per share came in at 71 cents, also trailing estimates of 74 cents. And a closely watched metric is that Tesla's automotive revenue rose by only 1%, 21.6 billion dollars and the company delivered 1.8 million cars last year and has also been cutting prices uh, around the world. Its operating margin for the quarter came in at 8.2% and that's down uh, from a year ago quarter figure of 16% and just slightly higher than 7.6% in the previous quarter. And uh, I mean, if you look at the chart for Tesla, it's really quite, quite interesting. It's just, uh, it looked like it looks like it had fallen off a cliff. Uh, if, it's, if you're looking at the year-to-day chart, it was last traded at $182.63 on Wall Street yes, yesterday, and that's down 26.5% on a year-to-date basis. I think if we take a look at analysts as well, they're really mixed on this. Uh, there are 22 buys for Tesla, 24 holds, 12 sells. Um, it does seem that the superstar reputation that it has in EVs is taking a hit, especially as we see other uh, 
EV players come into the mix. Names like BYD uh, has definitely overtaken Tesla in terms mm. of the number of companies uh, sold. I think uh, Tesla also warned that vehicle volume growth in 2024 may be notably lower than last year's as it works on launching its next generation vehicle in Texas. I think one of the things that everyone's watching for Tesla is where is their uh, affordable uh, EV car that's been t- talked about for a long time. It hasn't come out yet, uh, but whether that will be the uh, game changer for Tesla in kind of rebuilding its market share. I, I mean, I probably will get some flag for this, but uh, the Tesla models always tend to look pretty much um, similar. One model looks almost like the other model, whereas uh, if you look at the innovation uh, when it comes uh, when, when it comes to the Chinese EV makers or even the South Korean EV makers, even the smart car looks uh, a lot more up to date than than what you than what Tesla has. Uh, so maybe it's also time to for them to do a bit of a I suppose facelift at some point. All right, seven eighteen in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, but when we come back, we'll take a look at the top headlines in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.